Soxy Soxy. Good morning, Tam Tam, live from Texas. Still. It is the shit show <laughs> between the two of us. You're stuck in Dallas because your kid is throwing up and I don't have underwear on and wet hair. Yes. So how's your day going? <laughs> oh, it's quite quite the duo we are. Um, I've been dealing with this little thing with the vomit, but also this thing called comeuppance, which I really didn't understand until I became a mom. Uh, yeah. Uh, my daughter has channeled the energy of my angsty 15-year-old self whilst staying with my parents and has been slamming. And you're holding her hair back, let's just say, because I know that when you were 18, a lot of people were holding your hair back and maybe still do. Yeah, yeah. Okay. it happens. But slamming doors, trying to steal my old, she's gone through my closet and found old crop oh, tops. She's eight years old, eight years old and trying to wear a little... I'm like, okay, hold And it's up. so hard because like, you know, nowadays we're all practicing this gentle parenting and conscious yes. parenting. And sometimes I'm like, this is bullshit. Like I just <laughs> want to put her in a room, lock the door and say no dinner. But I'm like, oh, tell me your feelings. Let's talk about it. Let's, and I'm sitting there going, you know, sometimes it's just so exhausting and you just want to just be like frustrated and we feel overwhelmed and we just want to put like a kaput to like their attitude. But I know it's because they're going through obviously hormones start to happen mm -hmm. around even eight nine but my daughter's doing the same thing she is such a little you know what and sometimes I don't like her right so, and people don't say that but sometimes I'm like I love you so much but right now I don't like you like if you were going to be my friend I'd be like I don't want to be your friend <laughs> right exactly yeah. because they just destroy you you learn so much about and you also learn so much about your past self yeah, when you have all a your child, trauma comes like, out. Yeah, exactly. That like mirrors what oh. you need to learn. So I've realized I need to learn a lot. Yes. Like everything <laughs> that I don't like about myself is now being vomited out through my kid. And I have spent so many years bottling it up and putting mm. it under the rug where I feel extremely safe and right. happy with my life. And now I'm having to deal with it, which is just difficult. It's like the vomit and diarrhea of our lives. You know, it's just Not everywhere. <laughs> Who, okay, so I don't know if I told you this story, mm -hmm. but my, a lot of my childhood memories when I had the vomits or I was sick and <laughs> yes. I was at home, I used to come home and my mom used to watch um, The Bold and the Beautiful mm. and The Ricky Lake Show. And I used to get Ribena, which is an Australian drink, which is like uh, grape juice. <laughs> so weird, but it's fuzzy. <laughs> so it helps you like with your nausea and fried chicken. This is a true story. I used to eat fried chicken and Ribena watching Ricky Lake being like, go Ricky, go Ricky, go Ricky. Go, go, Rick. go. And <laughs> my entire dreams have come true because, you know, we believe in manifestation. And I was last, like a couple weeks ago, I was on my phone. And I was like, bring something to me universe bring something to me and they brought ricky lake um and i just messaged her and i was like i was like who cares right i'm just gonna throw it out there this mm -hmm. is a dream come true which i'm sure many people feel this way and she said yes so here we are <laughs> here we are i mean what great luck and manifestation and she is yeah. like such a dynamo and i was so like incredibly it so much more in awe of her learning that she had, she was the youngest talk show host. I did ever. not know At that. 24 years old, she got I her talk. Know that. Think yeah. about all the topics she discussed, you know, like all the things with such grace and such knowledge. I mean, she was so, so good. Wow. So the who, without further ado, Roxy Zoxy, <laughs> who do we have on now? We have no. the woman, the myth, the legend, <laughs> the one and only Ricky Lake. Ricky oh my gosh. Wow. I, I feel like I'm not worthy. I'm not. Oh, worthy. no, you are. You, yes, are. you are. You are. And Great we also to have chat with you. We're so excited. We also have her producing partner, Abby Epstein, joining us too. So we've got a, Hi, we've got a excited. two for two. Yes. Now, Abby and I, like like my my favorite partnership of, I mean, probably of all my marriages, maybe my new marriage is up there with Abby and me, but we, wow. we're, we're, we're a really good team. And uh, yeah, I love the work we do together. Do you like it when people like me, I've been in film and TV for a while. And like, if someone watches a show that I've put a lot of hard work into and they kind of fangirl, it makes me feel like 
you know, it was worth it. I did, I, I did a good job. Does, do you like that aspect of the fame of it all? Or Who doesn't like you it? You get a little frustrated by like, ah, oh, just let me be. Just let me be. No, a no, 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 no. No, I am very much. I live a very, very normal, beautiful, abundant life. And so I, it tickles me. I mean, it's it's funny because my career, I've been, been around for a long time. I'm 53. Yes, I started my talk show. This is the 30 year. This year is the 30 year anniversary wow. of doing the pilot. So I did it when I was 23, the pilot. So it's crazy and it's come full circle because I'm starting a new podcast series about my old show called mm -hmm. Raised by Ricky. So it's just, it's really, it's really interesting. But for me, like I have all these different levels of my career. I started with John Waters and Hairspray. Mm -hmm. I did all this acting. But for me, the most rewarding is when people come up and talk to me about how my documentaries, our documentaries mm -hmm. have impacted people. Mm -hmm. But it's all great. It's all awesome. And, you know, makes me feel warm and gushy inside. So thank mm -hmm. you. Yes. Oh my gosh. Well, you, well, like what you said in the intro, you know, you started your talk show at 24, but you handled it with such grace for somebody at that age to kind of maneuver all of these controversial topics. You know, I mean, you were really bringing things to the forefront that people were not talking about yet. Mm -hmm. So how yeah. do you kind of take, right? Like, I mean, people were not talking about that kind of stuff. And um, how did you do it? Like at such a young age, I mean, was it, was it intimidating to kind of when you learned you were getting the show and, and it was all happening, like how did you kind of maneuver that in your mid twenties? Mm -hmm. Well, like my the, the my entire career, I sort of jump in feet first. And if people think I can do it, I'm just like, all right, I guess I can do it. And in the case of the talk show, I mean, it wasn't something I pursued. I wish I can say I manifested it, mm -hmm. but I was simply I brought I was brought in uh, to interview for this job. They wanted to find a young Oprah, like a young mm -hmm. talk show mm -hmm. host to, mm -hmm. you know, the, the whole. They looked at like the the demos that you know of of how the that those shows were skewing and they skewed over the age of 50. Mm. So the, this guy, Garth Anseer, who was like this mastermind, he thought bringing in a younger host would and take it from the younger person's perspective. And it was all almost a gimmick. And mm. I was hired to do the pilot and it just took off. It was this phenomenon. But I, I, I wasn't really in a place of like, knowing who I was. I mean, it's, I look back on it and I had no idea, not only who I was, but also what I, what I really believed in and stood for. Like I was just mm -hmm. kind of this malleable young person, but I, I, I also can recognize I was very relatable. I was very likable. Mm -hmm. I, I was approachable. People felt like I was the girl next door. Mm -hmm. I was authentic. I was curious. I was compassionate. So I had all these qualities I think made me a good host, but I didn't really like produce, you know, I went in did the show that they brought in front of me mm -hmm. and it was but but the one thing I do pride myself on is that I wore I never wore an IFB like an earpiece mm, right. so you know most hosts when they do that you know they're they're they're, they're tied to the control room with an earpiece um mm -hmm. with you know so they could feed them things to say or avenues to go or go to commercial break and so I never wanted to have that mm -hmm. because it was distracting for me and I didn't mm -hmm. want anyone telling me what to say Mm -hmm. So that's something I really look back on and think, oh, that was pretty cool, you know, but, um, but yeah, it's, 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 it's very, it, you know, it's crazy to think that at 24, I'm giving advice <laughs> <laughs> about relationships <laughs> when, you know, it's just, it's very funny, but I, you know, I look back on it, it was a great experience. It, it set the path to have that mainstream audience over those years mm. to be able to put out these documentaries that are really provocative and kind of, you know, just, just not mainstream necessarily. And so I think it's one, they both go hand in hand. Mm -hmm. We talked about fame when we first started and, you know, I started acting at 13, 14 and kind of got a little bit of that level of fame in Australia. And I do feel when I look back that we were talking about trauma as well, that there's like these little elements of traumatic experiences I had when you're kind of a child Jack and I guess you were child you were in your early 20s and I was 18 I was 18 when I yeah. did hairspray so yeah. you were saying that like even you know with your weight you were gained you gained and lost and you know and I had that experience too do you think being thrown into the public eye so young affected the way that you looked at yourself and that you loved your body and how do you look at it differently now than you did then God, I think it's been a journey. I, I don't, and I don't think I'm there yet. I still yeah. have issues with my body, but I, it's different. As I get older, it becomes more about like how you feel versus right. how you look, yeah. you know, I'm, I appreciate when my body isn't in pain, you know, <laughs> but as a, you know, I have to look, you know, I, if I wasn't fat when I was a teenager, I would never have been cast 
in my first starring role, mm-hmm. Hairspray. Mm-hmm. So, you know, I, I embrace the fact that my body was the way it was. I also look at it like I was never the ingenue. So I was never like, like Harvey Weinstein. I wasn't a target for him. <laughs> you know, I feel like I was... I was saved from a lot of that kind of abuse and, 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 um, attraction, you know, like I just, Mm -hmm. I just was like, you know, skirted through that. Um, I, you know, my body, I, I, I've come to love myself Mm -hmm. as I've gotten older. You know, I, I shaved my head a couple of years ago and came out talking about my hair loss and embraced that and kind of surrendered. And that really brought me to a place of like truly loving myself in a way Mm -hmm. I don't think I did earlier. Um, but it's a process. It's a weird thing to be famous. It's a weird thing for everyone to kind of see you aging and, you know, just changing. We all, you know, it's inevitable as we get older, we change. Um, but, you know, I'm pretty content with like, with, 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 with the work I do, with who I am and with what I look like. And um, that comes with life experience and, and, and the ups and downs of, of just, you know, our journeys. Roxy, are you there yet? Do you feel, I, I mean, look, I, I've come to a point where I think I love myself. I'm not exactly <laughs> sure. Um, because I do still think, well, if I, if I looked this way, I would be happier. Mm. And I've been so many different sizes. I have been 200 pounds. I have been 106 pounds. Um, and I don't really know if my level of happiness really changed that much. Mm. Roxy, do you feel like you're at that point in your life where you're accepting and loving yourself and your body? You know what, for me, I feel like it's kind of a day-to-day, you know, week-to-week, month-to-month, year-to-year process. But I will say, as I gain more life experience and age, I do, I I wouldn't say it's zero fucks, but I say every day it's maybe one less fucks. You know, it's like, okay, you know. Also, we're getting one less fucks because we've been married for so long. Exactly. Ricky's still married. Ricky's like honeymooning right now. Oh, oh, I am having, I, I, hands down, the best sex of my life. Oh, oh. hands Go down. No, Abby too. Abby is like, we're the same. Abby's a year younger than me. Okay. And she, I mean, you know, ha- do you love your body? Have you always loved your body, Abby? Because you pretty much have an amazing body. Oh, stop <laughs> it. Does. No, <laughs> oh, no, I think, I think that it's, you know, I think a lot of like the work that I've done with Ricky, like on our documentaries, it's just, it's changed so much. Like the first time when we were making the business of being born and Ricky showed me the home video of her giving birth in her bathtub. And like the way she describes herself during her birth, you know, she's like, oh my God, I was 200 pounds. And I was, and you look at the video and you're like, that is a fucking goddess. Oh my God. Like that is why they are so scared of us. That is it right there. (laughs) That like picture of her with her hair and the bathtub and like the baby coming out of her. It is goddess-like, you know? Mm -hmm. And so I feel like as soon as you just see something like that, it's just, I don't know, so much of the superficial stuff like fades away because it's just like, holy shit, we are... Well, I think a lot of women also would not put themselves out there like that, doing what, you know, she did and what you've done, Ricky. And it's like, you know, that takes a lot of courage. And it's also being so vulnerable, which is something I struggle with, is just being vulnerable, you know, in relationships and things like that. And to put it out there to be like so brave and so honest, that takes a lot, you know? I don't know how else to be. I mean, I'm just like, I... I've just always sort of worn everything on my sleeve. I'm, this is who I am. Right. You know, yes. I, I mean, the scariest thing for me, mm. I mean, when I think about it, shaving my head and coming out and talking about my hair loss journey was probably the most terrifying thing mm. I've ever done because I, I was really expecting people to just call me names, make fun of me, make light of it. I, I just, it was so personal and it was, mm. it was my secret that I carried for so long and it was, that was like the ultimate kind of surrender and release and just saying, fuck it. Like mm-hmm. I cannot have this control my life for one more day. And that has really helped me to, to just come to a place of like owning who I am and, and mm-hmm. accepting who I am, you know? Mm-hmm. And it's that vulnerability too. I think, you know, mm-hmm. our secrets keep us sick and the more, you know, I spoke about my eating disorder when I was younger, I had one for about eight years and lost two teeth, lost my stomach lining because I was 
felt like the need to be perfect all the time. And, and if I looked a certain way, then I would be loved and I would be wanted. And it's just, you know, the minute I spoke about that the minute I told my secret, it was so cathartic. And I felt like I loved myself just a little more. And I think it is our duty, especially with, you know, the social platforms that we have now and also being in the public eye and in whatever way that is, it is our duty to speak up and to show ourselves. Cause I think if we show our stories, then it lets people feel like they have the ability and they're allowed, they've given the opportunity to show theirs as well. So it's, mm -hmm. it's, just being as honest as we can be. And then, you know, no one can hurt you. I said this to my husband when we fight. I'm like, I can't hurt you if you don't let me. <laughs> so it's like, no one can really get in unless you allow them to, right? Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Well, I also, and yes, I totally agree with what you're saying, but I also feel like because I've grown, like people have grown up with me mm -hmm. and because of the intimacy of my talk show was so, I'm in people's living rooms, you know, in most places twice a day, every day for years and years and years that there's, there's this goodwill that I have with my, with people that know me and like me. And so I, it's like, I'm like the consummate underdog, you know, starting mm -hmm. from hairspray being the fat girl that mm -hmm. overcomes adversity and gets the guy and wins the dance contest. That's been like the, the sort of running theme in my, in my life. So it's like, people were very kind to me when I came out with this, this, this sharing mm -hmm. and shared my, you know, like I, I just felt like I, you know, I jumped out of building and I landed on like, you know, the trampoline and people caught me when I was falling. Mm -hmm. And so that it feels, it was really, really lovely to have, to feel that response of love and acceptance and support. But I think too, what, uh, what also kind of comes across uh, the screen when people see you is that comfortability of who you are. You know, it's like you put people at ease because it's like, you know who you are, you know, and you can stand with somebody like that. Cause a lot of, a lot of us, I mean, I know in different stages of my life, you know, I felt like I wasn't comfortable in my own skin. So that's something that's very reassuring to people, but we definitely want to also talk about this amazing new documentary you guys have the business of birth control. I mean, what an amazing documentary. I mean, with these things, again, things that people are not talking about in the mainstream. And, you know, with all of these things, I mean, we think how many years have we we've been going to the gynecologist, to our doctors? You love to go to the gynecologist. Right. I think you go maybe three times more than most people. I'm like, Literally. where are you? She's like, I'm getting a check. I'm like, yeah. did that last month. <laughs> totally. My husband is like, can you just stop testing for one month? He's like, how many MRIs do you have? He's just so over it. But Wait, why? Wait, why? I'm curious. Are you okay. a hypochondriac? A little bit. Doctors, doctor, yeah. father. Yes. Oh, my dad oh, is, okay. My dad is an oncologist. So like my whole yeah. life, we've talked about everything cancer. that can cause cancer. <laughs> so I'm like, oh God. So anytime anything is slightly off, I'm like, I better go get it checked. And you know, my husband's just like, okay, control yourself. You're fine. Um, but anyway, you know, when we're going to these doctors and we're talking about these things, you know, I don't, I can't recall one doctor visit when I was on the birth control pill where they said, you know what, let's talk about the side effects. Like this could happen to you. It was more like, let's put you on the pill, you know, to prevent pregnancy. And then after I had my baby, same thing, let's get you back on the pill. So you don't get pregnant, you know, too soon and this and that. And it's almost kind of like pushed in a way. Why are these doctors and why are like these medical professionals not talking about this stuff? Um, I think it's a lot of pharmaceutical marketing. It really is. And I think it's like, you know, doctors get their information from the drug companies. So the drug mm. companies create the drug, they create the market for the drug, then they finance the studies about the drug. <laughs> then, as we say in the film, they put 65% of their budget into marketing and advertising, mm. not into like research and development. And so the doctors really, you know, their education is what they're getting from the drug mm. companies, you know? And I think that they really believe in these products. Um, you know, I think doctors are generally good people. They're trying to like practice what they were taught. Mm -hmm. And it's like, they, they believe, you know, they believe in this. And it's, it's also a very easy way to get somebody in and out of your office, right? Because mm -hmm. we know that like up to 50% of women who are on the pill are not on it for contraception at all. They're on it for acne. They're on it for heavy periods. They're on it for endometriosis, PCOS, you know, any kind of lady part problem is just like given the pill. So when you have somebody like that in your office, like 
Are you going to spend an hour and a half talking about lifestyle interventions and gluten and diet? And no, you're going to be like, well, just take the pill and you'll be fine. Also a lot more, you know, I've cycle synced for, Mm. I've never been on the pill. I went one time I went on the pill and I think I threw a shoe at someone and I was like, I'm done. Um, I, it caused extreme rage within me. I took the pill at 21. Mm. So I've been cycle syncing, which means that, you know, there's four stages to your cycle and each stage you're a different person. You feel different. You should be having different foods. You should be exercising in accordance to your cycle and it really helps balance out your hormones. And I noticed that when I'm not cycle syncing, for example, when I'm doing hard cardio exercise just before my period, it really does mess with my estrogen and progesterone. And I find myself getting edgier, having more PMS symptoms, but it is such a commitment, right? Like to cycle sync and to live your life in accordance to your cycle, we are taught as women that we must work until we burn out. We must keep going. We must take the quick fix. You know, I've probably should have gone on, on medication somewhere in my life, but I didn't because I was like, well, how can I use exercise or talk therapy or acupuncture, all these different things to help my mental health, which it has, but it is a commitment. And I think it speaks to a bigger picture that, you know, we want the quick fix because we're never given the time to really fix ourselves. So maybe it's the doctors, maybe it's us, maybe it's society, but it's like, if we were allowed to take the time to learn about this stuff, I think that it would help so many of us, you know? So are you on, you do the fertility awareness method as far as for birth control? Um, no. <laughs> um, I've had More two- like a wing and a prayer. <laughs> um, it's definitely a- hope and a prayer. Um, (laughs) At this point, we've had two kids. And if I did get pregnant again, I would have a third. Mm -hmm. And then we would probably have to look at other methods. Um, But I've never had an IUD. I've just, you know, just don't have sex right at that three days. Mm -hmm. (laughs) And I'm now so in sync with my body that I ovulated two days ago and my body was so overheat at nighttime felt so overheated. And I knew instead of just saying to myself, oh, I must just be warm today. Oh, I might just be getting a cold or maybe I just overheated today outside because it's humid. I knew that my body was ovulating and I could feel it and I could tell it. Um, and so we, I just don't have sex around that time. But, um, but yeah, then you don't know because my second child was, was born, you know, was conceived just before my period. So sometimes there's a, <laughs> there's a few, a little uh, wafty thing in there. But Tamman, I feel like you're very in sync with your, periods because when we had Alicia Vidi on from uh on the show you know from Full Living who I know he's amazing amazing right amazing and another thing I mean people are not talking about that in the wide you know mainstream either it's like these things are not being discussed because honestly the the way I found out about it is talking to you Tamman and then having her on the show like People are not talking about this. And you have to want to feel better. You have to want to to want it, right? I think, again, take the medication, take the you take the birth control, Mm. but at some point you have to hit that low and whatever that means to you to go. I don't want to feel this way anymore. You know, there has to be a there has to be. There also needs to be a connect that the that the way you're feeling is caused by what Mm -hmm. you're putting in your body. Like we don't Mm -hmm. even discuss really the side effects. And I think that's the great thing about our film is it's a real gateway to a conversation starter that, you know, and young women, young, young, young women don't want to take endocrine disruptors. They don't want to put anything but organic in their bodies. And so Mm -hmm. I think there is a mindset that's shifting, but we just have to connect the dots and help Mm -hmm. them. Mm-hmm. So that they know to go into their doctor and say, wait a minute, you know, like I, I want to lo- look at other options, you know, mm-hmm. and, and I want to also add that we're not about scaring women. We don't want to scare women off these drugs. We want to educate them and empower them with the information so that they can have true informed consent. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Yeah. You know, it's funny because also growing up, you know, I was, I was put on the birth control pill about the same time as you, Tam, in like 21, 22, and I stayed on it for 15 years. Wow. It really, when I came off it, it took me like months to get a regular menstrual cycle back, you know? And it just, it makes me think, you know, in the short term, I think, you know, now things are back to normal, but like, what about in the long term? Like, do we even know what could happen years and years and years down the road? Yeah. I mean, we do know some of those things, 
We definitely do know. I mean, I think mm-hmm. you're lucky, like if you could be on it for 15 years and like feel good and not have depression and not mm-hmm. have loss of libido and that kind of thing. But you, whether you know it or not, you're having mm-hmm. severe nutrient depletion that whole time. Mm-hmm. Wow. Your microbiome was totally disrupted. You put yourself at a much higher uh, risk for certain types of cancer and oh oh don't tell her that roxy is still on the pill you off the pill now i'm off now (laughs) like it increases your risk of autoimmune Mm. you know there's all these like long-term like risks but like you i think so many women are on the pill for for a decade or two and i think the problem is it's just like women's health in general is a fucking disaster And there's no research and there's no studies and nobody wants to study anything unless there's money involved. So there has to be a pill or a product, something, right? Like why would they do a long-term observational study? Mm. Well, guess where they do it? In Denmark, you know, in countries with great healthcare systems. So they did this amazing study in Denmark. They followed a million women Mm. and guess what they found? 80% increased risk of depression and anxiety in women who were giving the pill as adolescents. Mm. So, I mean, that's enormous. Like Mm. age 14 to 18, it was an 80% increased risk. So, but again, even when that study came out, you know, you have a lot of like the US doctors like immediately, you know, defensive, oh, well, it's, it's a, you know, correlation. It's not showing causation. You know, they'll find some way to like defend these drugs because these drugs have such diplomatic immunity around them. They are like more bulletproof than Trump. It's like, you can't attack them. Um, They just like never fall. And so I think like, it's not about attacking the stuff we currently have. Cause you know, we, we owe a lot. The women's movement owes a lot to the development of these products. It's more about what's next. What's coming down the line? Like what's coming for men? Mm-hmm. <laughs> like, how, you know, let's kind of equal the playing field right. a little bit here. So I think, you know, that's also what we try to look at in the film is like, is it apps? Is it fertility awareness? Is it more non-hormonal methods? Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, I mean, I think like there's so much focus around women's mental health nowadays. And then how trivializing is it to say that like, you know, a mood disturbance or depression on the pill is a side effect. Like, how do you even call that a side effect if it's literally wrecking somebody's mental health? Mm-hmm. Um, so there's, you know, a human rights side of it, of just people having the right to be informed about what they're taking and like what it, what it could do to their life. Do you think it's become even more of a controversial topic, not taking the pill, especially in light of recent events, because it seems like it's the only option now to not, well, one of the main options to not get pregnant since it's, I think it's almost 30 states will ban abortion, um, that I think women are gonna be very afraid to not take the pill mm-hmm. because they have no options. Yeah, mm-hmm. it's a very scary, scary time. And I was just doing an Instagram live with Lisa Henderson Jacks, who's in our film. She's a fertility awareness instruct educator. And, mm-hmm. you know, it's like these apps that have, I'm on an app. I use Clue mm-hmm. to track my cycle. Now mm-hmm. I'm 53. I'm not getting pregnant anytime. My husband had a vasectomy. It's really more for me to learn about my perimenopause symptoms mm-hmm. and my mm-hmm. cycle to see where I'm at. But using those apps, they are tracking you potentially. Mm-hmm. They are getting that information and they are sharing it. And if the government could go in and find out when a woman, if she got pregnant and suddenly isn't pregnant anymore, where did that, you know, I mean, it's, it's terrifying. So um, all of it is, is really scary. And I think that's why, I mean, this movie, like we've, wor- we've been working on this movie since 2014. It's literally coming out now. It feels like uh, the most sort of vital time for people to learn about body literacy, body autonomy, options, you know, right. all of it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think the body literacy piece is such a big piece because just to rely on a pharmaceutical company, like just to think that the pill or whatever, I mean, nothing is a hundred percent, absolutely no method is hundred percent, right? Abstaining, and we could say abstaining is a hundred percent. Why don't we just all abstain? <laughs> all the women abstain, let's just see how this boils down. I right, like, right. My, then my husband's obviously on my side, but I was like washing my hair. I was like, I'm just not going to have sex with him. A year. Like, okay. Okay. Why don't we just all don't do that? And then let's just see, like, yeah. no baby. Like, okay. Well, that yeah, a lot of women. 
<laughs> a lot of women are on strike right now. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I shop yeah. is closed. Yeah. Yeah. Yes. Shop is closed. Well, I mean, if we know like in the States, I mean, married women mm-hmm. actually I'll like get, um, I think the most amount of abortions, like married women are- Married women with children. Married mm-hmm. women with children. And yeah. education. <clears throat> yeah, mm-hmm. are the highest rates of abortion. So what are like married people not supposed to have sex anymore? Or who's gonna support all these accidental babies? Who's gonna give them healthcare and childcare? And I mean, it's like, don't even get me started. You know, it's like women are just carrying now even more of a burden on top of the burdens that we were already carrying from the mm-hmm. pandemic when we were working full-time and homeschooling our kids and, you know, keeping the the world afloat. It's just too much. I think, you know, I think it's too much. What I'm really afraid of is I had a lot of miscarriages between Mm -hmm. my first and my second. My first was super easy. My my second was an accident because we stopped trying because that's always how it happens with the stress in your body. Mm -hmm. Um, But I just thought that, you know, what if we got, in any other world, if we got pregnant, I'd be like, okay, well, I could have a third. But I'm petrified of having a miscarriage and then having to wait to see if it's legally okay to take a pill or DNC and then I'm waiting and then also the mental anguish. I mean, Mm. I birthed, birthed, I guess, my fetus on the floor after I took a pill and it was horrifically damaging to me and my husband to just go Mm. through that and imagine Mm. just waiting on that for weeks, having mm. a non-viable pregnancy inside your body and just waiting for months to just release it when, and what if it doesn't, you know, there's just, it's, it, it's kept me up for three, four, five, however long it's been four nights. And I just, cause I can't comprehend the physical and emotional anguish that women are now going to go through. And and I do look, I, I love men and I think men are supporting us, but I think that they could support us a little more and mm-hmm. speak up um, because it's going to affect all of us in some way. Well, think about also the men who have personally benefited from a woman's right to choose in their past lives. And, you know, those men have, a lot of them have been radio silent and now would be a good time for them to stand up and support women, women's health and reproductive rights because they personally have benefited from a woman's right to choose. That's right. That's Mm -hmm. right. Yeah. I think the stigma has to go. um, And you have to, I mean, Ricky did a fantastic speech at a rally in LA a couple, was that last month? And like, yeah. Yeah. And shared your personal story. I mean, I think every, every, almost every friend I have has, I think, had at least one, like terminated one pregnancy, had one abortion. So it's like, people just, you know, have to come out with it. Like, this mm-hmm. is normal. This is part of health. It's part of healthcare. Yes, it is. And you that's know. the problem. I mean, at this point, are we even like, as far as the government goes, I mean, is it even a democracy anymore? It feels like a theocracy. I mean, where's the separation of church and state? Because you also hear that side of the argument where it's like constantly religion is brought into this and it's like this has nothing to do with religion it is healthcare, just like you're saying so how do we like get people to understand the difference yeah, like what do we do this yeah, is what do we do? my husband so now it's happened <clears throat> what do we do now mm-hmm. we need to vote we need to vote we need to get on board yeah, but with i candidates, feel like it's, right? i feel like the mm-hmm. voting thing is not even because the people we voted for aren't doing shit mm-hmm. i'm sorry but they're not like they're not up to the job do you know what i mean like they, right. it's pathetic but this administration is not pushing back at all against this coup so it feels right now like we're in this crisis mode so what we're doing now or what we are doing you know is marching in the street is supporting plan c mm-hmm. is figuring out how do we mail pills how do we stop i, oh, I tried to buy i i started to buy <laughs> plan c i live in california so right. but i thought you know i want to stockpile to have to help <laughs> some young woman right. and you have to fill it out i started to fill it out and i had to put my age you know i have to put in my information yeah. and i'm like <laughs> It just made me laugh. I'm 53 and I'm like buying Plan C. Like it just. It, <laughs> you could have daughters. Yeah. You could have daughters. I have sons, but yeah, no, I think I'm going to go you through could, an order. But like you, they wouldn't know, right? You could have. Yeah. Daughters. But they're expensive. I mean, you know, I you're talking be- about Plan B, Ricky. No, no I'm talking about Plan C. C. Oh, you're talking about Plan C. C. Okay. Yeah. Plan yeah, yeah. C. And I, they're, they're the cheapest I found was $150. Like who, per pill. I mean, for, for a set of pills. Oh, for yeah. A set. yeah. 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 
I mean, I'm going to do it. I mean, I certainly can afford to do that, but a lot of right. people cannot. But I just it was funny writing in my name, my age and everything. I'm like, because when, you know, they were going to do my microneedling tomorrow and they're like, how old are you? And I'm like, I'm 31. Like, why do they need to know? Like, who needs to know this stuff? I guess if you have to put in your driver's license or passport or whatever. Mm. But like, I'm just going to say I'm whatever age that you think I am. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> You can be 44. Just say that you're 44. No, I don't care. I mean, it's, I have no issue with my age, but it's just like the idea of a 53-year-old <laughs> buying Plan C for herself just is funny. So, okay. That's how, where we're at. How do we get to get these men on, you know, contraception, birth control? Like, what, what do we need to do? Let's make this happen. I know. Because there's like right? no consequences. No. I think that's the problem. And, you know... I, I was listening to a podcast the other day and I just lost it because there was like a grandmother trying to bring her 14 year old granddaughter who was sexually assaulted in for an abortion in Louisiana and the clinic was closed and she didn't know where to go or what to do or where to drive, you know? So it's like, let's stop rape. I mean, you, you can't outlaw abortion unless you're going to outlaw rape Hello, like mm -hmm. let's stop rape. Oh, Abbott, Abbott in Texas has a plan to stop yes, all rape. Said all oh, right. We will He's, stop all rapists. I have faith. Yeah. Yeah. Uh -huh. I got my vote. Oh my God. <laughs> oh my God. It's just we're in that we are in the handmaid's nightmare. Mm -hmm. We really are. We really are. And I think the resistance, I think I was reading something the other day, but I think she was right. But she was saying that, you know, like this kind of anti-abortion movement, they've been so successful, you know? And patient, and patient. They've been doing this. And for 50 years, but they engage people and they try to change their minds. And, you know, and and I think the progressive women, like, you know, pro-choice women, like, we don't care about changing people's minds. Like, we don't engage in that, in mm -hmm. the warfare in the same way, because we don't have like that, you know, we're doing God's work or whatever. And I, mm. unfortunately, I think, you know, we're going to have to get like a little bit more down and dirty and like really like meet people where they're at. And, you know, because it's, it's the same thing everywhere. It's like, it's like when you can't control things from the top down, right? Mm -hmm. Like, what can we do? Well, that's why like Ricky was doing the Instagram live this morning with Lisa to try to just educate a little bit, like just to have an educational tool. Here's how you cycle track. Mm -hmm. You know, when you miss your period, you are already four weeks pregnant. Mm -hmm. You know, when you, this, like just basic, some basic, basic body literacy, you know, I think is missing and can go a long way. So it's, yeah, I think we're really, we're, we're back 50 years for sure. Mm -hmm. You know, we've turned this clock back. And I think in the United States is like, we're, we're going to be living in like two different kind of countries, like two mm. different realities, which is, I think what this legislation is really about. I think it's about upholding white supremacy and upholding the patriarchy and having more white babies and keeping certain communities trapped in poverty and keeping control. Like, I think that's what it's about. And they're just going to, you know, keep dividing this country into the, these two classes Mm -hmm. Um, you know, because I think they see what's coming. I think they see that this country, you know, what they're saying in 20 years, right? Whites mm -hmm. will be the minority. Um, and so that's really frightening for these people. So they're just like holding on to power. And I think what you know we have to do is just keep speaking out like fearlessly. And mm -hmm. I feel like it's the first time. I mean, I've been on social media for 10 years, it's part of my business. And the last year or so, I've really felt like people are starting to speak up. They're starting to step, even, even me who, you know, you have a livelihood on social media because you create content and then brands come and you create content for them. But when the money stops mad, like, you know, like I would rather lose mm -hmm. friends, mm -hmm. followers, finances, than stay silent because my heart can't take it anymore. Mm -hmm. And I feel like I'm seeing that a lot with the influencer content creation world and the people who aren't saying anything, I'm choosing to unfollow. Mm -hmm. And because matters like this, it's time to get political. You mm -hmm. know, like the, the easy statement is like, well, just let's not get politics into it. But now that people are dying and women's healthcare is mm -hmm. massively at risk and I'm a woman and I have two young girls, 
it is time to get political. There's there's no mm-hmm. silence anymore. 101, I think it was million people didn't vote. It's like mm-hmm. those people need to speak up now. Mm-hmm. You know, yeah. because yeah. this is where we're at. And I and I'm I'm seeing a huge shift. Like I've never really been a protester, but here I am. Mm-hmm. You know? <laughs> here I am with my sign. Um, so I think that it you know it is changing, and I, I do hope that the pendulum swings to good throughout history it seems to it kind of swings back and forth so i'm i'm hoping in our lifetime i mean i i I don't know i I wonder i don't know i feel like we're going down this dark path and i don't know whether in my lifetime i'm a lot older Mm. than you but like you know in 20 years where are we going to be at and i have you know sons i have two sons 25 and 21 they are adamant they don't want children i mean and i i i i completely support that Mm -hmm. decision you know um I get it. It's, it's, it's bleak. It feels really bleak. And mm-hmm. I'm, I'm an optimist. I'm such a positive person. And, and, and this week has been really, mm. I have so much anxiety. Mm. I'm, I'm, I'm not sleeping well. I'm, and I'm sad. I'm just really yeah. sad, but I, but I, but I also feel really good about the work that we are putting out, you know, Abby mm-hmm. and I, this film, this film is really important. The timing, it was always important to us, but even more so now. Mm-hmm. And, you know, we'll continue to do our part protesting, mm-hmm. speaking, you know. Well, to your point, I mean, talking about the kids, you know, Tamman and I have daughters who are like eight years old. Tamman has a second daughter that's three. <clears throat> and we're scared to death because we're thinking about, you know, down the line, are they going to get proper health care? You know, it, it's, it's such a scary notion to me that they're going to actually have maybe even less um, rights as a woman and bo- to body autonomy and, and health care and reproductive rights than like my mother did, you know, her grandmother. That's what's so so scary to me. Come to Australia. I'm a dual citizen, an Australian dual citizen. I'm like, well, <laughs> that Qantas plane is right around the corner. Yeah. yeah do you, do you, I was going to ask, do you yeah. actually consider leaving and, and going so we to spent, Australia? Uh, last year, we were in Australia for an entire year. Um, every country has its pros and cons. Um, when I was in Australia after six months, I really did miss America because there is that I don't know about right the second, but you know, you feel like any dream you can accomplish. I, I still think that spirit's here. I think still think there's a lot of great people in America. And there's, you know, there's a I'm a 50, my children are American, my husband's American. So I did miss that. Um, but being in Australia and never once thinking about a gun, never one time in an entire mm. year, never going to a movie cinema and looking for the exit doors, mm. never packing my kid's backpack with the sleeve down the back, which is bulletproof, never even crossing my mind when I'm out late at night that someone might shoot me in the head. Mm-hmm. It, it, it means a lot, right? So it's like the things that I would miss being in America, that might be worth it for, for me and our family. I would say that right now we're going to split our time, but that might win out, you know, at some point. Mm-hmm. And I'm grateful that I I'm a dual citizen. And so my family is now, mm-hmm. but I think a lot of people are going to try to leave, you know, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. at least until things get better. Um, yeah, yeah I think it's definitely an option. And it's something that we talk about, but Australia is an American. America is in Australia. This again, it's, mm-hmm. it's you, you give and get it just depends on yes. what the subjects that mean the most to you. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. That's true. Completely. Completely. And I also think Tam, like what you bring up is such a good point because I think the guns, so like I knew this country was broken beyond repair after Sandy Hook because mm-hmm. my son was in first grade when that first grade mm-hmm. classroom was shot up. And, you know, it's not that far from New York City. And I just, after Sandy Hook, when nothing changed, I was like, we're broken. Like it's yeah. just broken when you, so I think that the reason we're all in the state we are because after the last school shooting in Ulvade in Texas, it's like, we're still recovering from that. Like we have the collective trauma of that. And then we have this row on top of it. It starts to feel like too much, you know, and there are all these joke t-shirts out there, you know, guns have more rights than women, but yes, they do right now. Mm -hmm. So it's like, it's like that insult to injury where it's almost like you. Yeah. I mean, I think the gun culture is, is such a huge part of the fear and the Mm -hmm. fact that they just keep passing legislation to to like let it keep going unchecked. And it's just, 
it's, it's all connected to me, right? It's like mm -hmm. this female energy that we have between climate justice, body sovereignty, you know, guns. I mean, it's, it's all, I think about watching like the divine feminine, like just mm -hmm. be desecrated. And it's just, we can see, we can see that if like, and I don't mean the divine energy, I, the divine feminine coming up just in the voices of women. It can come up through men. It can come up mm -hmm. through any gender. It's just like, we have to find that force, you know? And, and that's where I get my hope is I, I sort of look at like these, you know, younger generations and how they're so passionate about the planet and they get it. Mm -hmm. And that's why they don't want to have children, you know, and they really see that. And so, you know, that's kind of the hope. It's kind of like hope is like looking down. It's like looking at, you know, our kids and your kids mm -hmm. and seeing like they're, you know, the Mitch McConnell's of the world eventually have to like die off, right? I mean, you know, like, their sons don't pick up. No. Right, right. So, exactly. So are we going to see a new documentary about this? It, this topic about you know the Roe v Wade and the reproductive mm -hmm. rights? Like, do we see that coming from you guys in the future? Uh, I don't think so. No, it's not. We're not. I can't see where we. So Ricky and I met doing the vagina monologues. Mm -hmm. I was directing the vagina monologues off Broadway, and Ricky was in my cast. Mm. She was amazing, and I, fell I feel in love. Like, <laughs> love. And I feel like that the vagina is where we really start and stop. We mm. very much are about like body, the body and the feminism of the body. Like, I don't feel like we would ever make like an overtly kind of political documentary. Mm -hmm. We really are keyed into, you know, that kind of empowerment that comes from like full body sovereignty and knowledge. And um, so I don't, I don't know. I don't see that one. We are, I mean, we, we talk about doing ones on like fertility, infertility, mm. menopause, mm. Um, aging, you mm. know, mm. aging and, and women aging in particular and like we're aging naturally. And like, mm -hmm. it's just the things I'm sort of curious and about and, and want to explore, but we have nothing kind of locked in yet. Mm. So we have to figure out a way to finance them. <laughs> yeah, they're very like the business of birth control. Like just mm -hmm. so you guys know, I mean, it's doing like super well internationally. We have a lot of excitement around it, right? Because internationally, mm. you sort of free from that pharmaceutical advertising mode. Mm. You know, we were not able to sell the movie so far in the U.S. and Canada, so we are distributing it mm. ourselves. Mm -hmm. But I will tell you, like we do these free launches. So mm -hmm. like last week, we put the film online for a couple days for free. I mean thousands and thousands and thousands of people register mm. and come to see this movie. Like people want this information, people want to see this movie. So I think it's a real disconnect that mm -hmm. you know, a streamer or a broadcaster is too scared to, to touch it. Mm. So yeah, we're still, we still are just really have a lot of work to do just with the business of birth control, just getting the word out, you know? Mm -hmm. We, we don't we, have a big, and we need to, this. we're launching, we're launching the masterclass series as well. We did a nine part masterclass series, which goes mm -hmm. deeper because, you know, the film is 90 minutes and it covers a lot of territory, but mm -hmm. you know, people with endometriosis, people with PCOS, mm -hmm. people who want to know how to safely get off of their hormonal birth control. Mm -hmm. We guide you through that with all the experts and more that are in, that yeah. are, well, in mm -hmm. the film. Yeah. So we we're launching that now. Well, it's, it's live now, but we're adding episodes all throughout the summer and it's called the more business of birth control body literacy masterclass. Oh so, yeah. It's, it's a mouthful. It's a, <laughs> well, the masterclass we call it, but it is, it's really, mm -hmm. I think it's, it's, it's like nine episodes. It's all done kind of really, you know, it's really digestible with short videos and I think it's kind of like getting, you know, like a bachelor's degree in mm. you know, women's reproductive health. Like if you watch that whole series, you'll be, you know, I mean, I think it'd be great for teenagers, great for, mm -hmm. you know, you'll be in a totally different place of knowledge. And I was actually so shocked during this podcast because we've had so many women on mm -hmm. who are, you know, experts in these fields and like so many people don't know what's going on with their no. body. They don't have like, they don't have body literacy at mm -hmm. all. No. And I just thought everyone knew that you're not supposed to do cardio before you get your period. <laughs> I was like, no, Tamin. Let's get your period tomorrow. What are you talking about? <laughs> so, like everyone was super aware because you just don't like, you think that when you live your life in accordance to something that everyone else is doing what you do. 
I was just so shocked that like, you know, hopefully that the education that you're doing and that <clears throat> we're trying to get people on our show it people start, this becomes, you know, a part of their conversations that they have. And, and also to be fair, like PMS Mm-hmm. isn't really a thing. PMS is what happens when your body is out of a line. It's what happens when your hormones aren't balanced. Like when the minute I got my hormones in balance, there was no such thing as PMS for me. And my period seems like it seemed like a cleanse. It seemed mm-hmm. like a beautiful spiritual cleanse that I got to bleed and I wasn't in pain and I wasn't irritable and I wasn't angry and I wasn't yelling at my husband, you know, but again, without that education, you know, people don't know that your period can actually be kind of a cathartic experience. Absolutely. Um, Well, and I think like you're saying to your point, like the education has to start in school, you know, when you're getting, taking health class and learning about your body, because I will say too, like being on this podcast, I've learned so much about my body, you know, that I never knew before. And that's like decades and decades of not knowing. I mean, you do know because you go to a health uh, person every (laughs) single week. (laughs) You definitely know a lot about your boobs and your vagina don't have cancer in them. They're like, no, you you have no cancer in your right breast. But thank you so much for coming on here. Right, Rox? Uh, Oh my God. What a wonderful, informative episode. And it just was such a thrill to have you both on. Thank you. We love talking to you. Thank you so much for covering this topic and for having us on. It's so fun. We hope you guys will come back. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. And if I could tell my 10 year old self who drank Ribena and ate fried chicken that I was there, I was manifesting that many years. (laughs) (laughs) I am so sweet. Uh, (laughs) Thank you, guys. Thank you. Have a great day and keep up the great work. Thanks, guys. Oh, by the way, can you let everybody know where they can see the documentary and where they can find you and everything? Just on our website, thebusinessofbirthcontrol.com. That's the easiest way to find that movie and all of our other movies, The Business of Being Born. All of our films are on there. Yes, and we will also, we'll give you guys a code. I've already bought it, guys. I watched it last night. $14.99 from Vimeo. I was like, support? I was like, what are you watching? I want to go to bed. I'm like, no, I must we're going to give you guys, we'll give you a women on top <gasps> discount code. So it'll just be all cash. Everyone else. On top. Yes, we and love it. And they can it. watch it for 50% off. Oh, that's a great deal. And they will learn so much from it. So yes, absolutely. Yes, yes, thank yes. Thank you guys so much. Thank you. Be well, be well. Yes. Mm-hmm. Bye-bye. Bye, guys. Bye. Bye. And guys, you can rate, subscribe, and comment on Women on Top Official on Instagram. And Women on Top Podcast on the Facebook. Not the Facebook, but Facebook. Well, imagine <laughs> if it was called the Facebook. That's your new uh, social media company. Yeah. <laughs> the Facebook. The Facebook. And I am Tamin Sursok. And I am Roxy Manning. And we are Women on Top.